go somewhere. Go to Mexico. Could you imagine? Yeah, I can. Look, don't worry about your mom. She will freak. But she'll get over it. Why can't you? The boogeyman? All this hiding, all this preparation, it was for nothing. I mean, it took priority over your family. It cost you your family. If the way I raised your mother means that she hates me, but that she's prepared for the horrors of this world, then I can live with that. Say goodbye to Michael and get over it. scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. Hello and welcome back to the podcast at the intersection of faith and fear. A reasonably populated intersection if we do say so ourselves, every week here on this podcast, we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This, friends and foggers, is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And, you know, guys, Reed was here a minute ago, um, but his son was clearly trying to get his attention. And... I don't know if I should even share this, but I, I just, you know, we're all friends and, and whatever he, he stepped away to attend to his son, but I did hear him say to him that I was wrong to raise you the way I did. <laughs> Whoa, that's, that's some heavy parenting right there. But you know, I mean, maybe Reed's turned a corner on something. I don't know. In the meantime, while we wait for him, allow me to welcome you back to the very near end of our year-long umbrella series, that of 2020-2020, where we have been examining 20 films of the last 20 years in the year 2020. Today, we're looking at the year 2018. I both love and loathe that we're almost done with the series, but I am, as I am often want to do, getting ahead of myself, because here at The Fear of God, we explore we don't explain, except for right now when I explain that you, constant listener, can listen to The Fear of God at your nearest podcast platform. You can sometimes, on occasion, if the feeling strikes us, watch The Fear of God on YouTube, and you can browse The Fear of God on the web at thefearofgodpodcast.com, where you will find 
episode archives, merchandise, things like cell phone cases, t-shirts. Get yourself a t-shirt. Have you made a merch perch in a while? It is Christmas time and it feels like a merch perch is in order. So you can find t-shirts there. You can even get face masks. You can get pillows. <laughs> get a fog pillow. I mean, what else is there under your tree but a fog pillow? You can get Reed. Hey, hey, buddy. Welcome. Welcome back to the show. I hope I hope we didn't, you know, some heavy duty family dynamics happening over in the lackey house. I was wrong to raise you the way that I did. That's you know I what mean, I was afraid begs- when you were getting up that when you were ramping up to that, you know what I was afraid you were going to say? Afraid you were going to say, hey, I don't know if it's appropriate to share this, but he said he got peanut butter on his, on his, uh, his <laughs> nether, nether <laughs> regions. <His> <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting here trying to tastefully dance around it. You're just like, penis. No, hey, I'm just quoting the movie. <laughs> I just want listeners to know what you're referring to. You're referring to a line in the movie. Do you remember that we, um, I also love how you have low key tried to start hijacking what I actually do with what you sort of thought would you <laughs> actually not, would be no. funny if you did if you had done it. No, no, it's not the intention to to do that. But um, you just you just reminded me of something. Like, do you remember? Were you here when we covered like the entire series was of I the leftovers? Here? Were you here for that? So, <laughs> you remember that? That was awesome. I think so, I might have been. <laughs> so there's an episode. I do very much wish to do battle with you, Reed. Towards the end, when it was. Uh, the most powerful man in the in the universe and his identical twin brother, or the most powerful man uh-huh. in the world and his identical twin brother. And then there's a moment where uh, he's trying to get into the secret security vault, yeah. and then yeah. he tells, and then he tells him, yeah. he's like, yeah, 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 but you, you put your penis there, uh, and and he tells him to like, you know, that's his yeah. biometric screening, whatever. Right. Well, uh, too much jovial laughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too much jovial laughter. Uh, the uh, <laughs> that recurring, that very specific recurring phrase uh, just comes up in different random contexts and uh and and so it's uh in in my household what? your penis wait. Uh... <laughs> i wait what phrase your penis sir yes. is what comes up in your household yeah, yeah we just yeah, you, yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> if we are in tmi zone and you and I have known each other 20 years, and the listeners have known you for four, but we are entering new territory <laughs> like, and quick no no I that's mean, true there's only other there's only two other people in your household. I don't that's know. True. That's I, true. And hopefully one's not saying that to you, <laughs> and hopefully the other one. I don't want to know. But no, we all three just laugh have, about it. You know, like oh. it's just <laughs> which is <laughs> you and your wife and your eight year old son. It's just like parroting each other. Oh, your penis shot. <laughs> it's like oh, that was a good that, one, kiddo. You what's know, funny is that kind of happens. It's just it's really weird. It's really wow. funny. Yeah. Wow. Really We're gonna do a B side to figure <laughs> out, and it's just gonna be called your penis, sir. I don't know. And. And it's just going to be you unpacking what the hell you're talking about. I'm going to have to. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to do some soul searching for whether or not this makes it in the final edit of the. Oh of no, the, no, no. Of the episode. It's staying in. <laughs> <laughs> Your penis, sir. It is staying. <laughs> it's it now. It's it now. <laughs> I know listeners listeners are like, ooh, let me check out these new guys I've never heard of from the Halloween. Like, oh wow. Someone told me these guys are really Christian. (laughs) 
<laughs> like really, like you know, there's there's like there's like quasi, and then there's like no, no, but these guys are really. <laughs> let, me, let me check this out right out the gate. Perfect I'm like, starting what? point. Lord, of it's mercy. like it's like you know. Marvel Comics or whoever will do the new number one every now and then. It's like this one. You send this yeah, some of sure. this episode and they're like, oh, just sure. skip the first ten minutes. I feel a I lot feel of compelled penis reference. I, hmm. <laughs> well, I feel compelled to explicitly state that it never comes up in any kind of inappropriate context. It's just no, the simple no, no, joking no, way whatever. that it's said. <laughs> whatever. We're not, we do not believe you now. <laughs> We don't. And I would like to point out that as the one who usually jumps in this ditch, you it, went there. I no, did not. Yeah, I was no, just making a, a a weird family dynamic comment about how you raise your kid. And you're like, by the way, <laughs> we all say the word penis to each other. <laughs> just run around just like, like a little alien, you know, beings just like running around like, no, no, no. Penis, 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 penis. <laughs> Lord, we'd have to put an E for explicit on this. Program. Oh, come on now. Lord of mercy. Lord of mercy. All right. You don't, that's not an explicit word. No, it's not. You just make it's it not. dirty. You want, um, you, want, all right. you want to get to some it's business? business? Speaking of dirty, it's business time. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> of dirty. Oh, oh Lord of mercy. Goodness. Can I start? Vote. Well, okay, sure. Go. Yeah, yeah. Go yeah. For it. So, what so, do you want to say to us other so than your I penis, just, sir? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Deeply regret admitting no, that on no. pod um so uh listen no regrets here this is a no regrets I, this this feels like an appropriate time okay to ask people to let us know what they think about our show <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the perfect this, moment to say guys this, how you feel about everything go tell the, the world this is the moment to to say like That's okay hysterical. yeah so uh so no sincerely uh if you listen to us through any of your preferred podcast platforms of choice um we would love uh, a rating or review particularly of the five star variety but particularly if you listen to us through apple podcasts um we would love to have a rating or review there preferably a five star review um just share some lovely passing thoughts uh about uh, the show and about what we do here that would be very much appreciated that's that's all i got to say about that that's all you got yeah, okay yeah, i thought i was waiting for one other phrase that i thought would happen uh oh, no so uh it, <laughs> oh yeah uh <laughs> Today, we're discussing a film that released and are circling the conversation of the year 2018, but <laughs> there, are two, there are two more years left in 2020, that 2020, that or true. based on how this one's gone, it's more like a year and a half left. This is just like a Some, yeah. partial <laughs> year. This is, I mean, was this a year? I don't know. <laughs> like a decade it um was. just just smashed into one year <laughs> i survived hurt. the first hour <laughs> <laughs> all right um so 2020 2020 voting is still open for 2019 and 2020 that's um, crazy it would be it startling. is not open for 2019 it is only open for 2020 is it not okay no but well what's you'll what's, find out later about next week you, you, you'll find out <laughs> <laughs> I like how cheeky you look when you said not now nonetheless go vote there is still time all the votes will be counted and tabulated and counted towards the winner of 2020 2020's 2020 year uh so yeah please go vi- please Indeed. please go vote 
<laughs> Please go Wilt. Wilt. <laughs> Will you go Wilt? In America, you Wilt. In, in Russia, we Wilt. Quotation marks around the word. <laughs> Little bunny ears. Pretty soon in America, you will be Wilting too. <laughs> wow. Carry on, Reed. This oh, is sorry. easily the ah. bizarro episode of the Fear of God. So, um, no, there's one more bit of business though. Um, if it, you know, if you want more of this, then uh, there's different people to <laughs> to interact with than just us. <laughs> you can go, you we've can... we've we've got a subset of now former listeners who are just in the group to like, interact nope. with like-minded peers. We're like, exactly. Reed and Nathan, you guys <laughs> don't, are, are too much. Just don't chime in. Okay, we don't even you listen to the much. show anymore. We just show up right, right. to talk to yeah. our buddies. Um, and they do that at the Facebook, uh, the Fear of God Facebook podcast group. So uh, by all means, uh, go. You can find us, just a Fear of God podcast group. Uh, there are lots of wonderful conversations, most frequently revolving around, hey, isn't this this wonderful, cool thing this new uh you know trinket or collectible that got released or has anybody seen this film and people share their thoughts on it and it's it's really wonderful um so please uh, by all means go and join the fear of god facebook group because we are going to be taking in january we're going to be taking a albeit brief but a definite uh hiatus from regular themed content uh there might be a couple of surprises that pop onto the feed as usually happens but we will not have regular episodes released through january so if you are going to be missing out on our wonderful conversation like you've heard for the last <laughs> 10 minutes uh then you will want to join the facebook you might group. be grateful yeah it, indeed um so mm. yeah go join the people are like facebook group. they do need a break they need to take <laughs> like, a break oh man <laughs> it's time they're bunch drunk now um riri yeah uh i don't know if you know do I? But there's a little guest on this episode i guest oh wink 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 wink, <laughs> wink, wink nudge nudge <laughs> your penis sir <laughs> See that's that that's what ha- that's what happens. That's that's how it. That's it's like it's like I just willed it into being. I I wanted to say it, but was like, nah, that's all good. I won't I won't play that card. And then you just did it, and I love. But that's it. almost exactly the kind of context in which something will will in which mm. it will get introduced into conversation. Right. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Um, all right so no no that is not the guest the guest in fact is lucky the list my occasionally listless list making lucky oh Oh my god we're off the rails already whole new meaning all right so mercy oh we've got a list to get to no, hey, indeed we do. Welcome back to the show. You know, <laughs> listicle you. rhymes with another word. <laughs> um, all right, so we are looking today Ooh. at the t- 2018 top 10 listener. Let's get serious. Okay, and it, it's, this is serious. Bring so. it in. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, so, yes. Top 10 horror 2018. Listener li- voted. As voted on by the listeners. Indeed. I took number 10 last time. Why don't you start with number 10 this time? Okay. No problem. Uh, as is uh, typically the case, I like to open these things up with some of the more notable items that mm. didn't make the top 10. Uh, so, just in brief, uh, the film Apostle 
starring the wonderful Dan Stevens. Mm. Fog episode 120. Didn't quite make Good the movie. list. Um, a noteworthy entry starring Matt Dillon, The House That Jack Built. Did not make the top 10. Uh, Suspiria, the remake, which was a nominee and uh, was featured on a bonus Fog episode where we directly compared it with the uh, original uh, directed by Dario Argento. Suspiria didn't make it. And uh, an episode that still brings me a lot of laughter and delight. Bird Box, Fog Episode One Twenty Two <laughs> did not Bird Box. <laughs> Bird Box did not make the top. That is still one of my favorite episodes to think about and reflect on, and occasionally go back and listen to part of because it it's is hysterical. it is so funny. Uh, we had a lot of fun with that episode. So anyway, that having been said, number ten is uh, something that we did not cover, but it's a bit in the Fog wheelhouse. Um, directed by Shane Black, it is the Predator, not Predator, the Predator. Before, there was just a one. Now, it's the Predator. Uh, we did cover the original, even though we haven't covered this film. We did cover the original on Fog Is episode 95. I liked it. I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, yes. It's good if you enjoy, kind of what we said extensively on Alien Covenant, like if you like the Predator franchise, it is not a waste of your time. It is also not something that I'd be like, you, you gotta see the Predator. Like, it's just, it's it's fun. It's fine. No. <laughs> no. You're just giving me just a new non sequitur and it just wants to burst forth like a like a little chest, chest burster. burster. Yeah. <laughs> Phrase herger. <laughs> no. No. Lord have Zena mercy. Move. All right. Number I have nine only on the list had Mountain is, to drink, I swear. Is yeah, I'm just sipping water over here. <laughs> uh number nine is Black Mirror Bandersnatch, directed by David Slade, which we featured twice <laughs> on episode 124 a and b um we tried our own version of choose your own podcast adventure <laughs> i don't think anyone wanted more of it so <laughs> it's really funny like i'm really i'm really proud of that gimmick it was a silly yes. gimmick but i'm really proud of it like if you listen depending on which one you click on you're going to get the metrics are very skewed for that episode so, it's true yeah. it's true but you're going to get a moderately different uh episode a different moderately different conversation depending on which version you click on so I, yeah there it is what's next reed so number eight is an anomaly in my mind because I, I'm, I'm really just i'm really shocked that number eight landed at what it did. Uh, ripping off the Band-Aid, directed by Julius Ona. It is The Cloverfield Paradox, which is a movie... I've still not seen. Well, I enjoyed it, and I remember the specialty around its release right. because it was... It was, a Super it was Bowl drop. Right? Yeah, it was a Super Bowl drop, but literally the commercial... And I still... I loved this. I remember the experience of... Like, because I'm not following Super Bowl very much, but we're in the middle of the Super Bowl because it's the big major <laughs> I feel event. Like, I feel like, like Predator and the Predator, you just stumbled into your own nomenclature here. I'm not following Super Bowl much. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's like Buster Bluth on Arrested Development referring to Army. I'm going to Army. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, indeed. Um, but no, I remember Blackie like the listicle lives up to his name. Go we, ahead. We watched the, you know, we watched the commercials. That's most of the fun of why we watch the Super Bowl. And so, sure enough, Netflix drops a, a preview, and it's like, hey, here's a trailer for the Cloverfield Paradox. And surprise, it's going to be releasing to the platform immediately following the game. And I remember like, wow, that is really exciting and thrilling. And admittedly, the film, while I enjoyed it, is not like 
this, you know, heavily praiseworthy kind of like, oh my gosh, you got to see it. So I was surprised that it landed at number eight on this list, um, particularly when some films that I consider superior did not quite make the list. But nonetheless, listeners have spoken. Number eight, The Cloverfield Paradox. Um, and uh, yeah, there it is. Number seven is Overlord, directed by Juris. Juris? Julius. <laughs> Julius Avery, which I really dig this film. Did you end up seeing it? I did, and it's it's great. It's yeah. good. No, it's a lot of fun. Solid. Yeah. That'd be fun to talk about. No, I, I, fun I to agree. Rewatch. Yeah, it's really, really good. What's number six? Um, number six, directed by Lee Wanell, who is the co writer and star of Saw, um, which was featured. Fog episode number 172. And, and is astonishingly in like the top 10 most listened to episodes of all time, which blows my mind. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Thank you, Blake. It's, I was about to say, it's Blake's presence on there. He, right. he pitches that everywhere. Um, but uh, And also, Lee Winnell is also the director of 2020's Invisible Man, which, <laughs> you know, I, yes. Anyway, uh, directed by Lee Winnell, number six is Upgrade, which is a great film. Uh, really, really fun. Uh, starring old... Uh, I don't... Go ahead. All I was going to say is I don't know that I would have realized Winnell directed that, and it just makes me like him even more. That's yeah. a good flick. No, it's Solid. a really good film. Uh, starring Logan Marshall Green. I don't have it pulled up, so I'm trying to remember his yep. name from yeah from memory. Yep. Uh, um, but yeah, that's it. He is also... what. There was some other movie that I just randomly looked up on INDB yesterday that he was in. Like that he him. was in? Yeah, no, he's, yeah, he's really yeah. good. He was Number in Prometheus. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, because I was probably looking at Alien Covenant stuff and linked around. Yeah, found sure, out. sure. Um, number five on the list is uh, by the one and only Barry Manilow. It is Mandy. She came and she gave without taking. And she Your sent penis, me away. Uh... <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. How the... Tides have turned. Uh, no, Mandy is directed no. by, speaking of Panos, uh, stumbled on that one. You're Panos, sir. Panos <laughs> Cosmatos. <laughs> no. Oh, Lord. We're never going to be able to rein um, this in. <laughs> starring Nicolas Cage. This <laughs> yes. movie is bat insane. This- <laughs> Indeed, it is. boy, so many bleeps in this in this episode. Um, so no, no. you will not bleep penis. That is a perfectly <laughs> legitimate word. You can bleep what I just said, but don't bleep that. Come on, okay. don't get bleep okay. happy. Okay, okay. Um, um, no, Mandy is a but wild, a crazy, film. yeah, crazy flick. Wild, wild, wild film. Yeah, it's uh, and I mean, it's it, it's unique and fascinating and worth seeing and uh yeah just completely wild is uh, the most appropriate descriptor for it so yeah mandy directed by panos cosmatos uh number four is our featured coverage for today directed by david gordon green written by green and danny mcbride and featuring you know the original talents uh coming back to the fray of uh, john carpenter and jamie lee curtis and uh jason blum produced it is Halloween. We'll be talking about it extensively in a few moments. So that was your number four. Uh, number three uh, covered on Fear of God episode 144. And, um, you know, <laughs> I was trying to think of a decapitation joke in the moment and I just wasn't <laughs> planning for it. Uh, it is the one, the only hereditary directed by Ari Aster, which is just a hell of a flick. My Gosh, goodness. It's incredible. That's absolutely <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Um, 
This man, this is a this is a, this is a heck of a trio here. This, yeah, this top three is just this. This is cinematic gold. This top three right here. So yes, Hereditary, directed by Ari Aster. Number two, directed by Alex Garland. Fear of God, episode one forty five, Annihilation, a film that I don't know if I could love it any more than I do. It's fantastic. This is interesting. Yeah. So the endless. This this is where we run into your release dates yes, stuff. Yes. Because the endless hereditary and annihilation was our twenty eighteen trio of coverage hey, last precisely. year. Precisely. Yes. Okay. Because yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I see the the proximity of them to each other. So yeah, Annihilation, great flick, great conversation. Check it out. Uh number one, just in the theater. I texted the lackey. <laughs> I was like, dude, go now. <laughs> Watch this. It is Fear of God episode 84, directed by John Krasinski. It is A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place. This is such a good flick. So wonderful. Yeah, it's an absolutely fantastic film. Um, so while you are, that was that's a solid list. Uh, it is, and we've only covered now five of them, including today. That's right. That's right. So why don't we take a look and see what, what it was before, bring on old mm. Lackey the Historialistical while you're pulling up the 2018 box office returns. Um, so number 10, uh, this was a 2017 candidate, but didn't make that list. Number 10 last time around was Revenge, uh, which is a film we both mentioned that we like. And number nine on the 2017 list was... The Endless, uh, or sorry, on the uh, on uh, 2018's historical list was The Endless, number nine. Mm. It landed in 10th tith- tenth place on the updated 2017 list. So, uh, yes, again, the difference in, you know, historical festival releases versus proximal, you know, understanding. Number eight, Notorious in Off-Pod Machinations, directed by John Turneltaub, The Meg. Hmm. Yes. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Notorious because I remember how desperate oh. you were <laughs> yeah. to defeat me in watching all of the films beforehand. That um, was so funny because oh my gosh. never do I do this. <laughs> I watched that movie at six in the morning <laughs> because cause I had the time and it was just something I was trying to do. But what was so hysterical about it. <laughs> is how you interpreted that data. We talked last week about words and the reception of them. <laughs> that is a key. That is a perfect example. Like deep subconsciously, you were probably correct, but it wasn't a conscious choice. I've got to beat Reed and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to get up at 6 a.m. and watch the med. Cause who the hell does that? Um, it was just check, checking a box. And I remember my wife coming downstairs and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> are you like, oh, I'm watching the Meg. She's like, as you do, as one does, they watch the Meg at six what? in the morning. And so Reed woke- wakes up three hours later and just sees my post. And he's like, WTF, this ding dong. I sure enough did. I was sitting there. I was like, I saw your Facebook post. You're like watching the Meg, you know, for crack of dawn. Sun ain't a rose, but you're watching the Meg. Like, you son of a... Like, wow. You really, you really are that petty that you just gotta like finish. Get a mate. You gotta finish this list before oh, I. Oh, that was funny. I was I like, did. Lord of mercy. Destination viewing the Meg right there. Okay, Turns number out. seven. Uh, it rose two slots in the updated list, but number seven was Mandy. The first time we did this. So mm. it rose to number five. 
and it defeated the next two. So there's a, there's there's familiarity in this list. Number six was Overlord. So it's roughly mm. in the same place. And number five was Upgrade. So essentially what had happened was the five, six, and seven were still Mandy, Upgrade, and Overlord. The only difference being that Mandy landed at number five this time, beating those other two. Uh, number four was Hereditary, which knocked up one slot to overtake Halloween this time around because number three was Halloween. Mm. And so they just essentially traded places in, you know, still right in their same place. Number two was Annihilation and number one was A Quiet Place. Oh, wow. We did this the last time. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's really fun to take that look back. But what was the uh, global box office for 2018? Well, I'm glad you asked, three Mm -hmm. Because, um, so at number 11, which is not typical for us, but because it's just a little honorable mention here, is the MCU entry of that year, Ant-Man and the Wasp, which is a fun flick. I like Mm -hmm. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm -hmm. Um, I like both Ant-Man films. Uh, Number 10, uh, we, we briskly go through 10 through 6 and then camp out for a few seconds more on 5 through 1. Uh, number 10 is the not good at all film, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of J.K. Rowling and Company by casting. Wait, what? I'm sorry. The Crimes of <laughs> Grindelwald. Um, oh, what a, God, what a mess. <laughs> you're just, you go off on it. I see the look. You're just like, you're just like, and another thing. Ugh. That was, I, I, what made what I considered at the time the error that I, and mistake that I'll own here. I took my kids to see that, and I and I regretted it. Like I, I can't oh. think of a time that's happened. And I was like, this is too dark. Uh, it's too dumb, and I just was so un, yeah, not not yeah. a good experience yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> moving on. Number nine was Deadpool two, which is fun, uh, featured. One of my favorite X-Men being quite lampooned in the form of Colossus. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Number eight is Mission Impossible Fallout. That's the one with Rebecca Ferguson. That's a She's good in a couple of them. Well, that's uh, the most recent I, one with Rebecca Ferguson. It's the most recent, yes. The motorcycle one, right? Yes, yeah, that's the, that's the him yes. with the broken ankle running on the building. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, Number seven is Venom. Did you ever watch that? I did. I liked it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tom yeah. Tom Hardy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Uh, number six, uh, starring Remy Malek's teeth, uh, one of the most <laughs> grievous Oscar errors of all time, Bohemian Rhapsody, um, <laughs> which was awarded Best Picture. What? Ugh. Uh, was Bohemian Rhapsody Best Picture that year? We're going <laughs> to... He won actor. <laughs> It won I editing, knew he won. which is mind blowing. I knew um, he won actor. I knew he won actor. I didn't remember it winning picture, but I I could be I could be no. Wrong. We're gonna nope nope. nope it's, it, we're gonna, it, 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 this is happening. Why can I not type <laughs> on my phone? Best picture twenty eighteen. Oh, that was a shape of water. Okay, but no, no. Look up best picture twenty nineteen. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. Uh-oh. 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 Didn't dodge that bullet yet. Green Buck. <laughs> bad to worse. But you know what? The Oscars almost redeemed so much sure. in giving us oh, one of okay. the only highlights of this calendar year yes. by letting Parasite sweep. That's God, it. I love that That's movie. It. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, okay. Bohemian Rhapsody uh, at number six. 
number five, a film I have not seen partly because I'm intimidated by the sheer length of it. Uh, but I do have mild interest in it, interest in, and that is Aquaman starring Jason Momoa oh. directed by James Wan. It's, it's fun. It's one of the, it, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's on the same shelf as, as like wonder woman. And actually I think I like it a little better than wonder woman and I enjoy wonder woman. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Aquaman. Wow. Flick. James, know. here's the thing, man. James Wan's a good director. Like you've seen he his work. You understand? Like he, he knows how to tell a good story. Um, it, it is long, but doesn't feel overly burdensome, at least not to me. <laughs> no, this is why we're cutting that. This is why we're cutting it. Cause I can't. You can cut it. <laughs> I can't. Oh, no. I can't even make it a stays. casual passive comment about hey, Aquaman. You have, you have fundamentally altered our <laughs> conversational discourse for the foreseeable future. No. Um, Aquaman. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Number four is, uh, eh. Incredibles 2. Uh, eh, eh. I mean, I, yeah, sure. Meh. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that had $1.2 billion. This is a big, big box office year. Number wow. three is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which I've still not seen, directed by J.A. Bayona. I saw I it. It was, I mean, it was It was a little disappointing. It was not, uh, I think the, the first iteration of Jurassic World was stronger. Um, but it, uh, I mean, it's, it's not unwatchable, but it was, it, it was a little disappointing in terms of like what you were expecting. So, mm. re re, uh, oh, it's time. It's time to go to Wakanda. Ooh, nice. Number two on this list. Number two. Old Chadwick Boseman. Goodness gracious. What a loss. Yeah. Black Panther, Black Panther, Ibambe, mm. 1.3 and a half billion dollars. It's that's awesome. that's insane. Yeah, it's awesome. That is a ton of money mm-hmm. for that movie. Absolutely, yeah. And number one, Reed, is mine and your mutual favorite MCU film, the one, the only, the two billion dollar box office worldwide winner of 2018, The Avengers: Infinity War. That's so awesome. Come it, what a movie! That's great. That's absolutely fantastic. All right. All right. Well, that was uh, we we uh, tried very hard to keep our composure through that twenty 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 twenty. I don't. I don't think that's what happened. Um, but now it is time for us to. I didn't. <laughs> no, you clearly didn't. Um, I. So now it is time for us to go into the. In a way, it feels like you know the night we came home because our episode ten was. Halloween, the very first Halloween, mm. and now we're coming around to, you know, four years later. Uh, 200 episodes later. 200 episodes later, back to Haddonfield uh, for David Gordon Green's Halloween. Um, so, it's, it's hard to know where to begin with this one uh, because... You know what I noticed with last week's Alien Covenant and this week's, I started to look up bits on IMDb. I'm like, nope, no, thank you. There are... <laughs> There's like a novel's worth. There's so many. It's intimidating. I read like the first dozen. I was like, I wonder how many there are. Oh, 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 oh. It's, it's, <laughs> no, oh, no, okay, no. Okay, let's no. scroll again. Oh, oh, 
It's like a roulette wheel here. <laughs> keeps on going. <laughs> no kidding, man. It's like, yeah. And that's the thing. is that That's not uncommon for more recent releases anyway, but especially like big tentpole yeah, yeah. franchise releases. Because that's the thing. That's what these both of these films, the uh, those films, uh, Alien Covenant and Halloween, have in common is that they do have franchise legacy weight behind them. So there's lots of inroads and lots of connecting points and lots of opportunities for people to identify trivial things. In fact, I was, I was going to comment in terms of trivial bits i have a few things to note here but it is impossible we'd have to do like a commentary on the film to pull out every single like reference to the franchise and every single connecting point to the legacy of the film because that's that was the intention they wanted to kind of revive it and they were successful in doing so um i was very excited when i heard and the the escalation in when the announcements were made about this film of like, oh, they're returning to the Halloween franchise. Oh, man, that's fantastic. Because since Rob Zombie's second film, which was very difficult to even watch, let alone enjoy. Is it just called Halloween 2? It's What's just it called, called Halloween 2. Yeah. Oh. So um, but th- th- this is a franchise that has suffered under the weight of tremendous uh, just continuity confusion and desperate attempts to try to reconcile the franchise and recalibrate the franchise. The thing has like freaking four different timelines. I mean, you've got the first two, which are kind of in their capsule, but then we covered season of the witch, which is an anomaly altogether. Riri, I had a captain America moment in huh? watching it this time. And I was like, Hey, look at the masks. <laughs> I understood that reference. That's right. That's right. That was fun. I was like, ah, hey, look, look who, at me. Who knows look this? Who knows it's this? It's like that Paul Rudd meme. Look at us. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt. So, um, but yeah, it's like, and then you have four, five, and six, which four, five, Halloween four, five, and six sequentially follow each other, but get more and more bogged down by the weight of the mythology that they're trying to create uh, around. What, 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 are, what are, I mean, is Jamie Lee is is Laurie Strode at all a part of those? Is she referenced? She I can't remember. Once, I saw one and two. I saw now three. I saw H two O. Yeah. So four, five, and six pick up with uh, Laurie Strode's daughter named mm. uh, named Jamie, um, but <laughs> it's not <laughs> revealed until kind of late in the game that she is her daughter because Laurie Strode's character has died. And so um, the, so late in the game of the fourth film or of that trio of films uh, late in the game of the fourth film. And so uh, that, that, you know, she's, she's died. And that is, it becomes this thing where like Michael Myers is because of this cultish thing called the, the curse of thorn. He's constantly perpetually trying to kill his relatives. And, and it, and it, it just, again, it, five is one of the most difficult entries in this franchise to watch it's not a good movie at all four is actually pretty fun and four has some some good things going on in it um and i actually don't mind the producer's cut of six but it just it gets too bogged down with all of that so that's why they tried to kind of h2o the seventh Yes, and that's why they tried to wipe the slate clean with H2O, and they're like, hey, why don't we go back to the, like, why don't we uh, just go back to Halloween 1 and 2 and then bring Jamie Lee Curtis back and then do H2O, like 20 years later. And she actually wanted, I think we've mentioned this on the show before, she wanted uh, for John Carpenter to be involved in that one, but he had been very screwed over by the the profits of Halloween, and so he demanded a, a substantial director's salary that wasn't near where the budget needed to be. Um, and so kind of 
you know, priced himself out of that job. Uh, so, but they, they proceeded with it and I enjoyed H2O. I like H2O a lot, actually. Um, but then after that, they did Halloween Resurrection, which is just a misfire in every single way. It's awful. And then you have the remakes with Rob Zombie, where with Rob Zombie's remake, it like takes what is otherwise a, a classy kind of straightforward horror franchise and makes it one of the most grisly, violent, graphic. The, the director. That, sound, that sounds right. I mean, like the you've seen House of a Thousand Corpses, um, the like the 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 Rob Zombie interpretation of this is one of the most like honestly, I am surprised that the cut we saw was still rated R. Um, the unrated cut would absolutely be like it pushes all of the boundaries of possible tolerance. Um, so it is it is it just a, a re imagining of the same story yes. or it's so okay spending I mean, I, i'm the not first, gonna watch them but no, i spend, guess i'm mildly curious of what well their content is the first one for the passionately curious and devoted to this franchise the first one is not unwatchable and does some really interesting things and i will say that because of rob zombie's you know, absolutely uh, undeniable visual style has some really great imagery at places. Uh, there's one shot in particular of like a kid watching a movie while Michael Myers is standing behind him, and the man he the man he cast for Michael Myers is a wrestler named Tyler Maine, and yeah. and he is he was Sabretooth in the first X Men yes, film. Yes, yes, huge. He's a gigantic beast of a being, so it's a really arresting image to see this, you know, imposing Michael Myers figure over something like that. So there's lots of great visuals in it, um, but the first hour, which is probably the most interesting, is spent on Michael Myers' childhood, and that's probably some of the most interesting contributions to the franchise is in that first hour of Rob Zombie's film. After that, uh-huh. it basically just becomes a retread of the first film, but all of the violence and you know language and even explicit nudity is all ramped up to to like the nines and so it's very un, you know difficult and challenging to watch um and then when he made part 2 you got all of that graphic stuff on top of a very convoluted mythology so it was it was really really tough all of that brings us to the franchise was ostensibly dead. I think his Halloween 2 was like 2007 or something. So for more than a decade, it had been basically put to bed. And then you had the the rights reverted back to Miramax, which uh, partnered up with Blumhouse. And then you had Jason Blum really wanting to do something new with the franchise. But it had been tried and pitched over and over before. David Gordon Green and Danny McBride had an idea for it. And whatever iteration from their initial idea to the finished film and how it progressed and evolved in that, whatever their initial pitch was, it bought everybody in. Like they got they got Jason Blum to champion it. He went to John Carpenter and John Carpenter at first was very skeptical, wanted nothing to do with it, but then eventually was persuaded to at least have a conversation with Green and McBride. And that conversation, whatever Green and McBride, you can imagine the the daunting audacity of having to pitch 
a new sequel to the original mastermind behind it who was already sort of sour on the whole experience. Right. And whatever conversation took place there, which I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for it. And be in the room where it happened. <laughs> that's right. Um, because it bought Carpenter in. And he was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll executive produce it. And, you know, Jason Blum had also had been like, look, you don't like all these other sequels. Why don't you... You know, we want to give you a voice and and give you some influence in it in making it good and making it strong again. Um, so anyway, that all proceeded. I got super excited about that. Then they announced that Jamie Lee Curtis was back. And then just piece after piece of additional announcement, I got super excited. I remember you maybe in, you know, fog back and forth of, of the Facebook group. I remember the initial press photo and maybe it was uh jamie lee on set or something yeah like like in character i remember that circulating and you getting really excited oh i got yeah i I didn't quite have the connection to it um so i have to uh i don't know if you managed in the absolute war and peace level text of like (laughs) imdb trivia um no there's just a couple that i wanted to to point out so um I did think it was interesting and just, you know, a little bit of fog crossover. Jamie Lee Curtis was largely influenced to give the script a reading by Jake Gyllenhaal. By my boy. Yep, Jake Gyllenhaal, because they're close friends. Mysterio. Yep, she calls him her unofficial godson. And uh, he had praised the experience of working with David Gordon Green on the film Stronger and said, you know, Green was one of the strongest directors he'd ever worked with and so that convinced jamie lee curtis to at least read the script and she had said in interviews that she knew she was going to say yes on page four now i don't know what happened on page four i'm assuming it's that opening interview with the podcasters but she said she knew on page four that she was going to say yes to this because this was something kind of different and something she was very excited by um I liked the idea that Allison was a, a really sought-after role by a lot of high-profile actors, but Green and McBride wanted to go back to kind of the spirit of the original, and they wanted to cast a relative unknown in that role, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, I did write down, you already mentioned the Silver Shamrock Masks. I think it's really cool. It was the highest box office of any installment in the Halloween franchise for its opening weekend. Um, it was also the biggest horror film opening with a female lead, and the biggest opening weekend for a film of any genre with a female lead over 55. So lots of like, not some lots noteworthy of highly records. specific, uh, Very specific. <laughs> in, this, in this really, really fine tuned niche. It's Halloween. The like, that's biggest the box office weekend for a female lead over 55, whose initials are JLC and, um, <laughs> you know, directed by, uh, old, uh, uh DGG. Yeah, so, right. um, but, um, so anyway, the last thing I just wanted to mention was that, in crafting the original film, they original pro- originally proposed to do two back-to-back films. And I think, as the apocryphal information would have it, that McBride was the one who was like, why don't we just keep it to one and learn our lessons from this story? And if we isolate this story, then maybe that can help us craft potential sequels. Because they had some ideas for where they wanted to take the story from here, but wanted to just kind of uh, see what happened. And sure enough, big success got greenlit for two sequels and we will we're supposed to get it this year but 2020 sucks um, yeah so next but year what does what does excite me about that is at least it wasn't a oh this did great let's make another one and bigger right. and more at right. least they had the groundwork for what could have been an immediate follow-up i mean there's even already a teaser yes yes film. 
And the fact rem- that I don't I, remember was there footage or was it just there's audio? footage? Yeah, no, there's a scene. Okay. So the scene that was released, if you don't want to know anything about Halloween kills, then maybe skip the next like two minutes. But um, the scene that was released, which is awesome, because, you know, this film ends with Lori and Karen and Allison on the back of the truck mm-hmm. driving away. The footage that I saw, there may have been different footage circulating, but the footage that I saw had that image of them in the back of the car. And as they're driving away, fire trucks are going in the opposite direction. And Jamie Lee Curtis like loses, like she starts screaming at them like, no, let it burn, let it burn. And then right after that, there's this really cool shot of Myers in the mask just turning around and looking. And I'm just like, man, that just chills. I'm like, I'm loving it, loving it so much. So I'm excited by the fact that they crafted both of those films simultaneously. So mm-hmm. there does, again, the, the, the possibilities of great intention, the possibilities of great deliberateness with the storytelling, which is really exciting. And I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see those films. Also, it's encouraging to know in the nonsense of things getting canceled and things not coming to fruition because of the limitations of 2020 that these films were filmed and they were done and they're in the can. And so we, you know, kills, kills not and ends. ends. Yeah, they're, they're done. They filmed them back to back. My understanding is that they filmed, yeah, I'm, yes, because they planned to release Kills Now and Ends the next year because of the necessity of people, presumably in proximal evenings continuity-wise, they would have needed to film people in the same outfits, looking the same age, everything. So I am pretty confident they filmed both Kills and Ends together okay. I mean, I, with I'm a planned not, release. Not trying to bow up on you bro no no i know no 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 but, wasn't sure but i it is my understanding unless i'm dramatically off that was off the, the 50th note i did not get that low on the imdb <laughs> yeah, list right of right trivial bits um so yeah so that's a uh, that that's it of uh that do you want to head into the specifics of the film itself either your history with it your opinion of it what what you got well I, i'm now i'm just deflated because you talked so long um wow <laughs> wow and i'm back up okay (laughs) um so i i i remember trying to get a crowd up uh for this film and didn't have great success there but i was very there's the quiet places of my movie going history but the, but a movie like that is very much in that action thriller wheelhouse a la Jurassic park or something like sure, it sure this is the first tentpole horror franchise that has released in my cognizance you know there hasn't been another friday the 13th or nightmare on elm street you know these mm-hmm. major character franchises since i've been paying attention to them so whether it was your enthusiasm or what, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but I went pretty jazz. I'm like, this is cool. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, kind of curious to check this out. And I don't know if you remember this. I remember where I was when I texted you and I got out of that movie and I texted you and said, I loved that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't like for pure horror, which I would categorize this as like last week we split hairs on alien, like what, you know, alien covenant, what that is versus other entries in the franchise. Mm -hmm. 
there are few, you know, pure horror films that I would look at and say, I love that movie and I would happily watch it multiple times. And this is one of those. Mm. Like I, even in rewatching it this time, I was like, God, this is good. It's I fun. love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. I, whatever was in the air of them crafting this and I'm, and you know me, like I just, I just shared with you and everybody, like I, ha- my, I, I get grandfathered in on a lot of this stuff. I've seen Halloween. I like Halloween. I don't love it. I think it's good and enjoyable and worth watching. I think here, some people will hear this as, oh, you ain't fat. You ain't fat. But I think I enjoy Halloween 2 a little more than Halloween 1. There's just a little more happening in it. As if that makes sense. There's a little mm-hmm. more story. Um, I don't really care for Season of the Witch. I don't remember enough about H2O, so clearly it didn't have a major impact. Sure. But yeah. to have that sort of feeling about it, I like the Michael Myers idea sure. more than right. I do Freddy. And I don't have enough familiarity with Jason to have much of an opinion there. Mm. So all that to say, it wasn't like I went in ready to fall in love with the film. Sure. Right, right, right. But that opening scene into the title credits is fantastic. Yeah. It yeah. is fantastic. It is so it is it is a gut punch. Uh the the visuals of that set design are fantastic. The energy and crescendo of the the whole scene is fantastic, and and the way it punches into that score, that revised rendition yeah. of the oh, yeah. traditional score, is just awesome, and I, no. I love it. What what no, are you, fantastic. What are you say? No, what I was going to point out is just interesting because I, I think this is the first time you've said in a way that's explicit enough for me to for me to register it. Uh, expressing like not love for the original Halloween because I think on our episode. You said Halloween might be one of your favorite horror films. What I find interesting about that is just how far you've come in your exposure to different types of horror films and Mm -hmm. how retroactively you might think back on the original Halloween with that sort of recategorization. Uh, Because when we did the first, you know, when we covered Halloween, you had we were only 10 episodes into Fear of God, and you've certainly mm-hmm. spent the last four years exposed to a variety of different horror material. Um, so I just I just found it interesting. I'm not even you know challenging your reassessment of the film. I just find well, it interesting. And to but, be fair, I think I would have said this at the time. I do have fondness for it. It is slower and simpler mm-hmm. in its kind of general energy. Right, 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 right. And and that to to all the haters i'm expressing great love for this current one that can bog down a little bit rewatches oh interesting like, yeah. i will rewatch the first halloween as a oh cool yay it's halloween let's watch it mm. i will rewatch this one because i love it yeah i got gotcha. you no and i got i mean big, that's a that's a lot of different energy between those two now because part of whatever it is they did they just distilled what is so good into one packet yeah, and right. you know, even though I'm not going to pick on pick up on every little Easter egg, sure, you know, sure. it still reflects a conscientiousness, uh, a thoughtfulness. I even think maybe when we get to theme, there's some pretty interesting 
ideas that are in in conversation with the original film. But anyway, sure, sure. No, largest I, takeaway is simply I think there's an incredible amount to love about this film. Yeah, and, no. Uh, well, and speaking, uh, this is not what our discussion is about, but like the original Halloween, the '78 Halloween. Not only probably my in in the strict classification of just scary movies it's probably my number one it's my favorite scary movie and one of my top 10 favorite movies of any genre that having been said this one this 2018 one i think is probably my second favorite in this franchise behind that one and and i love it so much because of its back to basics and and its grassroots return to it and this is this is what i wrote down this time around and i know this i know this is a bold statement but i i think that horror stories when they're at their best can be probably this is the word that's coming to me so i'm just going to say it. they can probably be the most human of stories uh when horror stories really work well they are the most human they present you know, people at their at their darkest and, and at their worst and their most vulnerable. Um, but through it, we can learn something, you know, a, a little bit more about like how we survive and a little bit more about how we overcome. Um, I wrote something and then and then I'll get to my comment about Halloween. I wrote something when uh, Wes Craven passed away. And I don't know if this is word for word. You could find the article on more than one lesson. But I said, you know, the, the, the voices of these kind of scary movie filmmakers, they make us afraid of the dark so that maybe we'll start turning on a few lights. And that's part of what I love so much about it. And what I love about this iteration is this finally, for the first time in any of the other sequels, realized that the Halloween franchise was as much about, not the franchise, that the what made the first film work so much was as much Laurie Strode as it was Michael Myers. And yes, mm. I know. We had Halloween H2O, but Halloween H2O is very much still centered around Michael Myers. Um, yes, Laurie Strode is in it. Jamie Lee Curtis is great. I think it's really Do they, fun. Does, I can't remember. Does H2O still lean on the their siblings yes. convention? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. She's directly uh, related uh, in, that, in that. And in, in that light, it's just, it's still very much about Michael. What I love about this film is is I think it is as much and probably more so about Lori than sure. it is about Michael. Yeah, it's about trauma. And, exactly, and, and exactly. The choices you've made in light of the trauma you've experienced. Now, I'm sorry if I'm cutting you off, no, but no, you know, I'm just following where we go. One thing I did that did occur to me this time that there, there's two there's two things I would say if you were like, hey, find some stuff that you could criticize. Um criticize the student negative word that I would critique one of which is uh, um, before I, so I don't forget them. I'll just tell you what they are. One is I didn't on first take love the certain, whatever his name is pivot. Uh, sure. It, right. It's a okay. little jarring when it happens just cause you, anyway, it feels that it feels the most conventional choice in what is a pretty, you know, kind of unconventional exercise. Right. Um, the other thing is I, I thought about this watching it this time. Does, does, I don't care, but is the verisimilitude of Laurie's trauma diminished by the fact that this new iteration ignores everything since one? In other words, 40 years ago, this really bad thing happened to you. Mm, mm -hmm. We import onto it 
the knowledge of the legacy of this film franchise right. to the to the shoulders of Laurie Strode. But if you're saying 40 years ago this thing happened, it was trauma traumatizing and and traumatic and and terrible. But that was a long time. And Right. Sure. And and so does it if I were forced to quibble, I might say it's a little unbelievable that the degree of of trauma is still as active and present as it is. But again, that that's, and I can, I don't care enough to, to dig in there. Right. It's just something that occurred to me in the watching of it. No. And I can understand that. I think that's part of the, you know, I, I, I think that's part of what's interesting about its exploration is I do think there are people, I mean, like, gosh, you, we're not going to unpack all of this right now. Although I guess we can, if we want to, but um, like, there are individuals who th- something happened to them years ago. They are in their they are uh, in their forties now, you mm-hmm. know, and still going back to things that happened in their childhood that's as, true. as yeah. defining that's, that's moments. Fair. That's fair. Um, and uh, and so no, I, I you know again, I'm not completely dismissing what you what you have to say, but I think no, I I, I think it is. That's what it's exploring is how when you can't get past the thing from decades ago. What does that look like? And how do you pass that? How does that influence how you contextualize the world for generations to come? Which I think is a, something that's very much on this film's mind is the tri-generation. Like you've got, uh, right. you know, Lori and then Karen and then you have Allison. And all three of them, I think, are vital to understanding how this this film works together uh, on its own merits. Yes, and to your point about the the demographics of success for the box office of this film, this is a very feminist film. Like Indeed. watching yes. it this mm-hmm. time around, I was like, "This is pretty cool that they really center this trio of characters, and it's about their generational trauma and inherited trauma and and overcoming right. that in a in a uniquely feminine capacity." And that's pretty cool. Um, lately, I don't know if you've noticed this. Lately, we have a tendency because sometimes they aren't that loaded with gravity to skirt our likes, dislikes in favor of just jumping to scares and themes. Oh, I don't want to do that this time because Mm -hmm. there's a lot to just friggin' love in this movie. Sure. And so I've already referenced, you feel free to, to throw in if you want to say anything else about the initial hospital sequence and the opening credits. But, um, (laughs) little Billy Elliot lumpy. Come on. What a sweet kid. That's a great kid. Uh, I like old Lumpy, and I'm really sad to see him go in the first reel that ain't right of the film. I know. I know. But. I was shocked when Myers killed him because he had never killed a child before. So I was shocked. And I actually, that is one thing I actively. Again, I've been very effusive thus far, and so nothing would change that for what clearly is a choice for him not to assault, attack, kill the baby. Right. And what is clearly a choice to have Julian exit the scene. Mm-hmm. It, it does feel a little dissonant that that happens. Yeah, I get it. In I, the I, first yeah, act there. I get it. Uh, but read that. I texted you this, the, the gas station sequence mm. that is so like, I rewound it because I was so impressed with what is happening meta textually in that scene, right? Like just pure cinematography, which is 
uh, the one, the background, the mechanic is followed by Michael. Yes. Do you yeah. catch that? Yeah. Well, he's fuzzy. And he's he's out of focus. But yeah, yeah. right, yeah, right. Yeah, he's, he follows him. You hear, but it's off screen. You would not know this is a thing unless you're just putting together all the pieces of the of the story they're telling behind the story. Right. Which is your your visual focus. The foreground is the gentleman podcaster guy. Um, but you hear in the background a crowbar clang to the ground. Yes. Right. Because he is now assaulting the mechanic. Mm-hmm. You see her walk away from the the desk in the background you see him pummeling the dude right yep Mm -hmm. that all culminates in this very harrowing and horrific sequence in the actual stall area that i want to come back to but that builds to one of the most badass sequences in just about any daggum movie i've seen horror otherwise culminating in him retrieving the mask and that score yes it's so Mm -hmm. awesome yeah it's so awesome yeah come on great great choice on the score there i mean i echo everything that you say but great great choice on the score there to have it be the more subdued melodic haunting sort of version of it than the bombastic here we go kind of thing you know like it's just he puts the mask on very slowly closes the trunk looks through it's really really haunting it's incredible the way that all builds up and their death scenes like it's appropriate that they die. They're the ones who unleashed this all very carelessly, but it's, it's still, it's pretty, it's pretty harrowing, you know, like the way he's, I love that the, uh, oh gosh. And his name is Aaron. Is, is he yeah. Aaron uh-huh. that he's not only alive, but like cognizant of what's mm-hmm. happening when like he's bludgeoned and bloody, he will die, but he has not died yet. When Myers throws him into the corner and it's just, it's all just very, very haunting. Yeah. Her. Oh, yes. I gotta haunting. be honest. It's pretty nasty and horrific what Michael does, both in intimidation and in physical assault. But I don't know if I could crawl across a public bathroom floor. <laughs> I'd be like, take me, take me. <laughs> this, this is just, this is just done. I can't, I can't tolerate this. My uh, head bumped into a toilet seat. I can't, uh, I just can't have it happen. Oh, no, no, God. No, no. <laughs> so much on that floor. Just, oh, Lord of mercy. Um, right. So I, I just wrote down, you've already referenced it, and we've been, talked about it a second. I just wrote down, good Lord, this score, because holy it's, cow. It's like, so it, good. Fantastic. John Carpenter, again, a, a masterful. He scored most of his films that he directed. He um, you know, is a brilliant musician, um, you know, really brought synthesizers to the forefront of like, you know, that that's when when people <laughs> think of Flight of the Concord. <laughs> when um you know horror filmmakers of today have scores a la stranger things or whatever stranger things then evokes john carpenter simply by using synthesizers in their score you know like that's right. it's so synonymous with that um but no it's it, it, it wonderful brilliant score it's got a really nice dark edge to it um i put that i um one of the things I love is I, I just love getting back to Lori a little bit. Might edge into theme, but we're not, not going there yet. I love that her position is complex. She is simultaneously fragile and strong. She sure. is not one note. She ha- She's confused and yet remarkably insightful. She is desperate and yet has some pretty strong instincts as well. She, uh, you know, she is a basket case, but self-aware. You know, like her, her uh, presentation 
buffeted by Jamie Lee Curtis's actual embracing of it and, and characterization of it is really, really strong. She's a very well-rounded character, and I just love that. I really love, in the dinner scene, she says, I saw him, the shape. Will you yes. clarify for me, does in-text uh, dialogue around Michael refer to him as the shape? I think this might be the first time, and I've seen all of the films, so, you know, a, a, a real trivia head like a Beckley or somebody else might might call me out on this, but I think he has been credited as the shape right. in every that film. That I know. Um, the first film credited him as Michael Myers. Every, ha- every other sequel credited him as the shape. He's credited again as Michael Myers in this time around, but I don't believe that a character in film has referred to him as the shape prior to that scene. I could be wrong, but, but I, th- I think that's the first time, you know, kind of like you talking to the air. <laughs> I know there's been a few other films like this that I've probably even referenced that we've watched. Pontypool kind of comes to mind, very different, but similar thing I'm about to describe. I, because of that opening sequence at the hospital, because of the, the auto shop, scene were such major deposits Mm. of like, Oh my God, this is so cool. (laughs) When he is doing his Michael thing, strolling through that neighborhood and those long takes, I was like, Anybody else seeing this? Because this is amazing. <laughs> Culminate like so good from that first from that first time when the kids run into him, which mm-hmm. echoes back to the first one. And then I I didn't clock how long it was, but it was something like you know probably a four or five minute just singular shot mm-hmm. and him moving through the neighborhood, and it's just it's so so effective with with lots of like great individual moments uh like obviously the him walking by the crib is pretty harrowing but i love the shot when he's outside that woman's uh house and he bends down and it's just this like partial silhouette oh reflection i mean but what's so great about that moment that scene rather is how it's just and, and and what else did you say david gordon green directed stronger well and he's directed a bunch of like stoner comedies like the oh. Sitter and Pineapple Express and whatever. But the film oh, that Jake oh. Gyllenhaal had uh, yeah. recommended was the film Stronger. Which I haven't seen. But um, so this is it for me, for him. But it's so well constructed, that scene that you're referencing when he's when the face is reflected in the glass. And then he walks to the right off camera. Oh. But it's still in frame of that house. You see him walk down the alley still in frame the woman comes to the front he comes in the house behind her and just just offs her right there oh, i mean wild. just just some really really effective uh, uh film craft in that run and you know you loosely referenced this and i did earlier like you know my man may be the personification of existential evil the very shape of inhumanity given <laughs> form but your boy has a code and that code is don't kill babies. Don't kill babies. Nope, don't do you it. You know, I thought I had a code, but turns out I might have been wrong. Is DCEU Superman? <laughs> Let's just do it. What? Huh? <laughs> wow. Wow. I no. I know. No. I know. No, no. I know. Oh, I just um, lost so many people. Like, get coming, <laughs> they, politics. Politics and 
Superman. They stu- they stuck with us with uh, you know the the rampant you know references to the what the the rampant references to uh, you know to what no you you why don't you remind us <laughs> to uh, <laughs> your penis sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so yeah uh, he's got a code and it, and it includes don't kill babies um i i love julian and vicky i love them they're great yeah, i yeah, want yeah. he's a hysterical. sitcom it was great oh, i want a sitcom hilarious of the further adventures of julian and vicky we won't get them maybe it's a prequel you know i'm just yeah vicky's out she's she gone she gone but she gone but it's so there's I think something I just really dig about this film is it is not schlocky. It is not low bar. It is like when, when Vicky goes, you feel it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That sucks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, when the guy in the background, the guy in the background, the guy in the backyard, I love that scene. That's he goes, you're like, incredible. Gum it. You know, there's just something, they invest and imbue these characters with with thoughtfulness and and dimensionality and mm-hmm. and humanness in a way that movies like this don't have to do to right. get horror fans on board. No, but agreed. if you want to distinguish it, if you want to set it up for something more than just you know a slasher fest, this is how you do it. No, absolutely, um, absolutely. Um. Oh, I'll mention. But yeah, the back the backyard scene. I'm sorry to cut you off. The backyard uh, scene is amazing. Oh, it's fantastic. It's one of my. Fa- I had uh, listed it in my scares, but I'll mention it now that like that whole sequence with the whole uh, motion sensor lights mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and the way that's all set up and executed. It's just it's it's really brilliant. But I love and they leaned in on this a couple of times where he's just you know off in the distance in the background, like you can you can see mm-hmm. him yes. way off there. And uh, I'm sorry. Way off there. Way off. Herger, the first Herger, the way off Lord have mercy. So, um, but uh, that particular sequence where you're really, you're really mad at this guy. He's just a bumbling little guy, but you're really mad at him because he's trying to take advantage of the situation with Allison. And then uh, when that all culminates in him, you know, landing in Michael Myers sort of web, his, his mm-hmm. radar, uh, oh gosh, it's yeah, it's it's really it's really really incredible, and culminating in probably one of my favorite of the scores musical cues when Allison sees him in the backdrop of that that light uh, on the fence where he's he's died and he's impaled on the fence, and then it I'm not going to try to mimic it with uh, with my mouth, but the the music cue that kicks in there is so incredible and. Then you know Myers leans into the shot, knowing that now Allison is on his radar as well. It's yeah, it's really amazing. It's really great. Um, I want to throw in the interest of time, we can get to jump to scares, but I do want to throw two real quick likes here. One is I and and you're so far away from me physically, but I wish you could just like pat me on the back. So mm-hmm. I'm just just I'm gonna receive it when it happens. So uh, once this is a little later. Once Michael's actually at the house and kind of skulking, yeah, uh, he he tosses Laurie out, and I just love the callback to the first film yes. when he turns back and she isn't there. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just awesome. It's just one of those touches that's like Chef's kiss. You know, I got oh, oh, so, okay. No, it's even fantastic. to the even to the novice, I get it and yeah. I like it. No, it's fantastic. Um, 
And then my last thing I want to add before we just fully embrace the scare is, I mean, you can, you kind of can't help but love when Judy Greer feigns fear at the end. It's it's my favorite moment in the movie. <laughs> it's it's great because I've forgotten wonderful. that that's what that's the turn that happens there. And she's like, I can't do it. Help us, mom. And he steps in, and she just gotcha, gotcha. And just 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 blows What's, him away. Did you know that that was a reshoot? That was not in the original script, and it was not in the original ending of the film because the original ending brought Laurie and Michael out to the front lawn and they had a big, much more extended confrontation. But huh. that reshot ending, I mean, again, it's it's my favorite moment in the film. Uh, Judy Greer has alluded to the fact that at least Halloween kills, because they are very, very hush-hush on what on any element of Halloween ends. Um, but for Halloween kills, Judy Greer has at least hinted at that her character will continue the sort of embracing of her upbringing now that she has seen that the threat is real and that the fear right. was warranted and that all of that kind of stuff that she uh, will embrace that they've specifically said, will we see more badass Karen? And she said, Oh, absolutely. You will, which that's I think cool. is really cool. Um, but yeah, that's so uh, that again, that's I, it's in, in a film that has many memorable moments that I love tremendously. That's, that's the, the peak for me of exactly how, cool this film is um because I, I completely bought it the first time through i was hook line and sinker like oh this poor girl like yeah you're wishing you had your mommy now or whatever and when she turns that whole gotcha i almost came out of my chair i thought it was amazing it was absolutely a fen- phenomenal turn yeah um, it's great so we've I, alluded to a bunch what are what are a few or if you don't have or you know throw in if you do have some more likes dislikes but if you want to jump into scares what's one or two of those so, so many of them, so many of my favorite things are scares and likes, dislikes. So we have alluded sure. to a bunch, um, you know, obviously the extended one talk, one take walk, I put in scares and in likes, dislikes, um, the, the bathroom death scene. Oh, one thing that I didn't mention yet is just, I put the copper lantern is so nasty and just that ain't, <laughs> I said, that ain't yeah. right. I said, I said, it sucks about the dad getting got. But the cop's flashlight in the decapitated other cop's head kill is kind of just Michael showing off. That's he, it, absolutely. He they at the hospital, they were able to have an hour a week of Internet time. <laughs> and he has been on Pinterest doing some research. And he's <laughs> just like, OK, I'm just going to test this one out. Now, guys, what do you all think? Uh, look, Anybody. Hey, can I get some honest feedback here? Because I think I nailed it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only thing about that is, is is like one of the cops he's just like you done and like stabs him in the top of the head right sure but that cop he took the, no no took he the is time like he's that like was, you know what i've been looking for an opportunity to test this one out i've got a i've got a few minutes between takes so y'all y'all go y'all go on y'all got i've got i've got some time so it's just oh my gosh um but i will say like once it gets god i love Lori so much once it gets to the house and it's Lori versus Michael. Cause we had that little tease where she's like pursuing him in the town and fires mm-hmm. at him and, you know, mm-hmm. clips him in the neck and whatever. But once we get to here in the house and it's like, okay, this is the fight you've been waiting for. It's incredible. Like I will whole- throw real quick before it fully at the house, make room for my patient is pretty messed up. When the doctor stuffs Michael yes. in mm. the backseat of the cop car with Allison, that that's is jacked up. Yeah, that's absolutely. creepy. Absolutely. Uh, but no, I'm with you. And in fact, one of my next to last, uh, scares there is the the brutal attack on Lori at the front door 
That's yeah. rough. Oh man, Ugh. it's no, oh, it's it's really dreadful. And that's the thing is like they really match them. Like I, I God, I just I, I love it. Lori is prepared and strong enough to hold her own, but they do not position her as this like mm, you know sure. I, you know like she she takes She's damage. Not Linda she, Hamilton in T two. Right, right. She takes damage. She uh, suffers you know some some just what would be described as just like the casual effects. She gets thrown off the balcony. You know, like she she absolutely is met with an imposing force here, but it makes her strength more believable because it is not unrealistic that she would have been able to survive the things she survives and endure the things that she endures. Um, it's like it's a hard one or one might say legitimately earned kind of uh, kind of characterization. Um, I, I mentioned this that I actually wrote it in my likes dislikes, but I, but I do want to mention this uh, two things and then I think I'm done and we can move on to theme. Um, so first thing is uh, the Sartain pivot, which you and I are both on the same page about, like I take it or leave it. I'm like, whatever. I, it's fine as a narrative reveal. But what I dislike about it is that in the reveal, Will Patton, who's a character I greatly like in this film, gets taken out like a punk. You know, yeah. like I like his character a lot. I think his character is very interesting. And uh, he just gets taken out. Because remind by this. me, they they plant him as something rooted in the original film, right? Like, yes. So it 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 wouldn't have taken place in the original film, but they set him up continuity wise as the first one who arrived on the scene when Myers was actually apprehended following the events of the first film. Did you catch in War and Peace, a la <laughs> the IMDb notes, that? the reference that keeps getting made to the boyfriend's dad. Oh yeah. 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 Lonnie mm -hmm. that he is a bully or something referenced. Yeah. In the first film. That's yeah. pretty cool. He's the one that Donald plant pleasance is like, get your ass away from there. Like it's yeah, it's, it's yeah, pretty fun. That's cool. I like that. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention could be a scare, could be a whatever. My favorite moment is the gotcha moment. My favorite shot is once Myers, after his confrontation with Laurie at the door, he makes it into the house, and there's a single shot of Michael Myers in silhouette. Like, it rises up, and and again, he is a literal shape because he's in silhouette before he's kind of found his hiding place inside the house. And mm. I just, it's perfect. I just, I love it so much. I was like, this, this is iconic. This is absolutely iconic. It's as iconic as, you know, like any sort of singular posed image of Freddy or Jason or any other horror behemoth. Like, it is absolutely brilliant. Behemoth. Um, so, hey, uh, let's, let's go watch the movie. I love this movie. I would watch it again right now. Watch it. It's so cozy and comfortable. Like I just, oh, I, I wow. enjoy it. Yeah, it's a kind of thing. This, this, this is why people don't like people like us. Like, what are you talking about? You're so weird. <laughs> so stressful for me. It's gross. Um, what you, what, what you got for theme? We've been talking a long time, singing this movie's praises. What you, what you got for theme? You start. I feel like I've started a bunch. Okay. Recently. All right. So. Um, I did have two interesting things. Uh, I'll just mention them in passing. We don't have to unpack them or maybe they'll lead to something. But the character uh, who we haven't actually referenced yet, the, the one of the fellow teens, David, who uh, had plans to 
you know, uh, move forward in his life uh, on Halloween night and gets a tattoo reflecting as such. Earlier in the film, he talks about the killing spree of Michael Myers and says, well, yeah, but in light of what goes on in the world today, like this is not that big of a deal. And this time around this viewing, I zoned in on that because I thought that, you know, that's really part of the point because perspective works both ways. If you're looking in the broader perspective you can say like, well, we're not alone and our problems are small and our problems are commonplace and they happen to people all over the world. But also from a different angle, you look at how this singular event has just devastated Lori's life and uh, the issues of the world are not as traumatizing to what happens to us in our smaller moments when the shape hunts us. And it's not just this proverbial outside thing that's happening somewhere out in the world um, and what happens when it actually comes home. Uh, which is not me trying to be punny with it, but that's that that to me stuck out. But then I also um, it stuck out to me, kind of dovetailing off of that, the line, and I, I don't like Will Patton's response to her, but when Lori says, "I prayed every night that he would escape," and then you know he's like, "Well, why why'd you do that?" She said, "So I could kill him." Like I, it's she she feels unresolved. In this, mm-hmm. that he that he exists and that he's still in the world somewhere, just tucked away, not our problem anymore, kind of thing. And and I thought it, I found it incredibly fascinating. There's a myriad of other things going on in this film, but just my sort of opening salvo contribution is I found it very fascinating that she's like, I want this terror to come forward again, so that I can get rid of it my way on my terms and. The the complexity that I don't even have the language to wrap around right now of that whole thing of like, it would almost be better that this come to light again so that I could finally end it my way in my terms. Um, and uh, I just found that incredibly fascinating about the ways that people, you know, sort of deal with their own sort of traumas and maybe even in some ways kind of wander back into the... Uh, recurring trauma, the recurring uh, devastation, uh, so that maybe this time they can end things on their terms. Um, it's just, it, it, it's a fascinating little thread to pull on uh, for my end, but it doesn't have to be anything necessarily that we spend a tremendous amount of time on. No, I, I mean, I think the movie clearly is, is just by virtue of the character of Laurie Strode and who she is and what she's experienced as we've observed the character's life um you know the the film is very much interested in trauma how if when it does or doesn't get resolved how that trauma in its lack of resolution impacts those immediately around us and i want to come at a different angle to that too because something that really the first time i saw the film struck me as an interesting thread it it tied or a ribbon it tied on with the first film but that this time through feels a little more present and why i would say there's an interesting of this film alone uh, you know who who knows literally what's happening in the next film but of this particular movie the thing that kind of jumps out at me is about again in in slight and odd concert with last week's conversation about vulnerability and um 
specifically a thing that a word that jumped out at me with watching this was neighborliness. Mm. And, and, and if you haven't listened to our strangers conversation or watch strangers, the movie, go watch it, go listen to that conversation. It's all about the stranger and the neighbor and this idea. And what struck me the first time watching this movie as just, Oh, that's cool. Look at what they did. This folding was, but that became something more meaningful this time around to me was when Allison in fleeing the discovery of Michael and her friend murdered in the backyard. No, it's when she's fleeing the cop car. Oh yes. Yeah. Running into the woods. Yes. Well, preceding that, um, something that's very deliberate in the first film that you and I talk about in our conversation four years ago is the turning away of Lori when she is seeking help. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. By these neighbors. Right, right, right. She's like, mm-hmm. pa- she's screaming. She's pounding on doors. People are turning off their lights. Right. Mm-hmm. And not welcoming her. Right. Um, because what's interesting to me about the first film and, and you sort of propped up a little bit of these thoughts a minute ago with referencing that guy. Uh, was it David? Is that his name? His yes. commentary of, well, you know, come on, there's bigger things in the world that are happening now. Why Halloween, the first film, was so monumental in its reception is about, much like the film It Follows, about the infiltration of safe suburban spaces mm. of terror, horror, violence, right? Right, right. And in the face of that, in that first film, people retreat and recede even further. Right. Oh my God. In the face of this person screaming and yelling at my front door, who's being traumatized and actively violence is being perpetrated against her. We're going to, uh, I'm going to turn off the porch light. Right. 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 Yeah. The flip side of that is this film feels like it's opening up to help and aid and vulnerability. Because what happens to Allison as she is fleeing, whichever, I can't remember exactly sequentially, but she's literally running down a street, goes to a house. People, it is, it is a direct echo of Lori's experience in the first film. People come to the door. Now there's not a lot of screen time spent with that interaction, but it is clear they assist. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you got that. You've got this bridging of, of bonds between Lori, Judy Greer, whose name, what's her name? Karen. Uh, Karen. Uh, what a Karen. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Lori, Karen, and Allie, this, this sort of bridge that's happening between the three of them that's forming in real time in the narrative of this film. Yeah. That then is met at the very end when they're trying to get away. I mean, it's so random, mm. Reed. Like, this is why, to me there's something more thoughtful going on than just puzzle pieces to a story. Right. It's right. so random that there's this truck r- r- coming down the road Shh, at the end. Right, of it. right, 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 right. Unless it's not because mm-hmm. what is the dialogue there? They run out and Allie says, help us. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they're, and they are helped. Mm-hmm. And so it, to me, there's just something really direct and and even a little on the nose about you know last week with alien covenant we 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 unpacked this idea of the perfect the exceptional right 
the the elevated uh uh but still for for lack of a better way to put it the real the human in our midst like, like sure right, right right how how those things get get manifest in a person i think there's something really important and significant about the fact maybe that even in this movie for the first time by your recollection they refer to michael myers as the shape this is a thing yes. that is otherworldly in its embodiment of of wickedness and evil right i.e right. we can sort of name it enemy and violence because mm. it, it, mm. it exists outside of human interaction and dynamic. Right. We can view this as an other that needs to have some sort of quelling. Does that make sense? Yes, of course. Yeah. Thus, we kind of cheer and, and, and enjoy when our heroes come against that versus, mm. you know, a human form. So all I'm trying to establish here is what's fascinating to me about this iteration of Halloween is it saying we band together in our vulnerability? We we ask for help from those who are near, in effort to vanquish and come against that which is other and power and principality made flesh. Does right. That make sense at all? No. It, no. It absolutely does. No. It absolutely. So it's does. just I don't know. Just uh, I, I don't have a final conclusive statement there, other than just that really sung out to me this time around. This she knocks on the door is given help. She yeah. literally has the dialogue, the scripted line, help us. And they are offered support and help. It's the final line of the, of the last, film. Right. It's the final and line the of the film. The image yeah. of the film is the three of them having been helped mm-hmm. now together as a unit for the first time ever. Yes. Right. Um, right. Right. And that, I don't know. That's really powerful. No, I, I, I completely agree. And, and it's that, that you describe in that unpacking the bond that is developed between the three of them. Which I had mentioned earlier, that is, you know, part of the meat and potatoes of the film is this generational. It's not just the trauma that Laurie experienced, although I had said earlier and meant it that they do a really smart thing in making this film even more so about Laurie as they do about Michael. Um, but then it's this conversation of how you do pass along in in successful and uh, failure ways, uh, pass along information about trauma to generations after you. You know that's that's one of the things that I find really fascinating about their specific dynamic is that this thing that happened to one of them has rippled out to where you know like Karen can't even have an interaction <laughs> like comes into her house Lori breaks into her house and is like bang you're dead bang you're dead I've got you know like and <laughs> and they're you know running amok with them and then Karen's like the world is a nice and safe place right. I won't have you tell me differently you know like and and so you know that's that's what has that's how it's manifested in in their life and then that carried down to a, 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 not quite a complete reversal because obviously the trauma didn't happen to her but Allison then rejecting some of her mom's utter rejection, but it all culminates when the, when the threat has become real and has become embodied, how that did bind them together that, right. uh, and, and not bind them together in like an oppressive way, but just like that, this, this is our common cause. Yep. Now they, you know, uh, from the moment, you know, she, uh, Lori at the end, happy Halloween, Michael, and then all three of them, are joining into the throng of sort of like 
working together to vanquish him and cast him down into the trap and do away with him, you know, and, um, and there's so much that could be explored. Don't know that we necessarily need to, uh, about the whole, no, it's, it's not a cage. It's a trap, you know, like, uh, a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. um, of the ways in which we can recontextualize the things that we once viewed as bondage to be ex- escaped now maybe in 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 a different version of the path of including and forgiving you know viewing it's like oh no that is that is now the means by which i will overcome this this substantive threat that has come back into our life and it's it's fascinating to me that lori is validated in the way that she is like you know she she's no longer once this comes that scene in the basement where she's you know this is precision and stopping power accuracy and stopping power this is tactical you know this is and and so she's and she says almost under her breath she's like he's waited for this night i've waited for him you know like the Mm. and, and it's almost a passing line kind of kind of in some ways a clumsy line but it's like, yeah, it, it's 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 all come to this, and she's no longer completely fragile and broken. She is very, uh, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, I keep coming back to she is validated, and and the the empowering nature. But I do. Can I? I'm sorry. Yeah. Can I throw yeah, in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because something that I think is important, and I made a joke about it at the top of the episode, is there's validation, yes, but. She does also come to a new enlightenment when she says to Karen, I was wrong. Yes. To to have raised you this way. Yes. Like that's not that that doesn't strike me. You weren't saying this, I'm just running with it, but that doesn't strike me as blithe pacification of Karen. Sure. Right. If anything, yeah. it's you know what? The trauma she she has she is recognizing the effect of her trauma Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and, and understanding that it is now through the shared energy of their efforts that this is going to happen if it's going to happen at all. So I've been resisting saying this because we're having a conversation about theme right now. And this next comment could be sort of, you know, pushing us back into the trivial and the speculative or whatever. But I read an interview that Jamie Lee Curtis had done where she talked about Halloween kills. We don't have Halloween kills right now. We'll get it in a year, God willing. And uh, it is the kind of thing that we will see at that point. But uh, Jamie Lee Curtis teased. She said, well, the next place it goes is now that Michael has killed multiple people in the town, what happens when that trauma has infected a community? Interesting. And that's so cool. that that's going to be, you know, th- and she said that is a, a consideration on the mind of Halloween kills of, you know, what happens when that then spreads out and that trauma is not just a person and generational, but now that trauma has, has ripple affected to multiple places twice now throughout the rest of the community. And, um, you know, so pivoting it back That's into cool. what we're talking about is, is, is it is this whole thing where trauma will either drive you into self-imposed or forced isolation or could be when shared and when bonded together to try to mutually overcome it and mutually carry it together and and combat it and confront it together might be you know it, it, it is 
I'm going to say two things. The first thing so that I can get ahead of it. I don't want anybody to hurt ever. I don't want trauma to be a thing. (laughs) I don't want uh, anybody to ever suffer at the hands of anything. I don't want anybody to have to sit in, you know, uh, therapy sessions and and experience the kinds of things that would drive you to brokenness and fragility and 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 everything like that. I don't want any of that to happen. But it does happen and has happened. And so the second thing I would say is I don't want our trauma to have the final word on our story. Mm-hmm. And I don't want the the so so I don't want to live in defiant denial of what has taken place, but I do want there to be you know in the Halloween vernacular. I do want us to have the moments where we stare in the face of our trauma and been like, "Got you, I've yeah. I've got your yeah. number." I do want us to have the moment where we look back and say, "You know what? I made so many choices coming out of that that were wrong choices." that I should not have made and that I that I should have made differently and also maybe in the same light go this is a trap and I will now execute you know this trap to contain that trauma and hopefully you know god willing end it like again culminating onto I don't I'm not saying that trauma is a good thing I do think that if we have the courage of character and to the points you were making the support of those around us help us willing to say help us help me if we're willing to you know to 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 reach forward in that and not be imposed in that isolation then uh because because lori i'm sorry i'm pivoting away from my point i meant to keep it brief but lori chose in reaction to her trauma not necessarily to reach out to community. She chose to set up mannequins in her yard. Right. And she chose to, you know, to learn combat tactics and she chose to to arm herself. And Dr. Sartain, in one of the rare moments where he's a, you know, very profoundly interesting and viable character, said he's interested in the ways that trauma affects the victim and the victimizer. And the ways that those interactions sort of lace on top of each other, a central conceit of the film that never comes to fruition, which makes me find it all the more interesting, is both the podcasters and Dr. Sartain and maybe other characters in the film want to see what happens to both Michael and Lori when they finally come back together. What's going to happen to Michael? Will Michael finally speak? Will will the the traumatizer, the victimizer, will he finally uh, give voice to all of this? And what will come of Lori? And how will she confront all of that? So everybody's interested in that. And then in the undertone of it, we have something that I do find compelling and and to a degree hopeful that when that confrontation happens, uh, there is this undercurrent of help us, help, uh, and helping one another to overcome the ultimate trauma that has made its way, this shape of of evil uh, that has made its way and has imposed itself upon them. And I do find that deeply compelling. And if I were bold and perhaps uh, in hubris willing to do what you weren't quite willing to do and put a bumper sticker on it, it's that, uh, you know, what I said earlier, that I, I don't want trauma to be a thing. I don't want anybody listening to this to have experienced anything devastating in their life. But if we have, because it happens and it continues to happen, I don't want that to be the final word. And so reach out for 
those around you reach, you know, don't let it drive you into isolation. Uh, don't let it drive you into this place to where you are then suddenly praying for it to be unleashed again so that you can end things on your term, which is also a bit of a, uh, of a, of flawed metric. Much as I dislike the clunkiness of Will Patton's line, he's like, well, that's a dumb thing to pray for. Right. You know, like it's a dumb thing to pray that this is all going to come back again so that you can end it on your terms. Um, but uh, but I, I, I do say, you know, don't let it don't let it have the final word. You know, don't let it um, be what defines you over and, and, and over and over again. And the only way we do that is by binding together with our, you know, d- the generations that come after us and, and the peers that we have at our disposal. And um, and uh, yeah, I, I could talk endlessly about that, which wouldn't necessarily be very fruitful. But um, did you have more that you wanted to unpack on that subject or, or are we, I guess the, just as a final thought, there is, um, uh, your penis. So <laughs> it's like two seconds before it happened. I knew I was like, oh, there it comes. Yeah. Here it comes. <laughs> yeah. <Good>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, I, I think, I think we have, um, we've said what we need to say about Halloween. I, I love it. Uh, I shall we fog, one. shall we fog meter this? This thing here, yeah, uh, every it. every film we discuss, and occasionally the things that aren't films that we discuss, we subject to our rather rigorous uh, but very highly specific to us metric of fear and God, i.e., the title of our podcast. <laughs> um, on a scale of one to ten, how scary a thing was, how substantive a thing was. So, thinking about this in real time, uh, uh, right now, I, I, um. I'm going to go with an eight because I just like we referenced last week. And and this is kind of cool that these two films, which are very larded with legacy (laughs) uh, films, one that sort of buckles under the weight of its legacy, I think. Right. And is more or less just a slightly above average action thriller. Uh, and one that rises to the occasion. Sure. Right. right. And executes on its genre in, uh, uh, with, with skill. Um, while, while the watching of the film is energizing and thus not necessarily horrifying or whatever, the set pieces, how well executed some of the horror aspects are greatly elevate for me. What could be just, a popcorn, right? Scary movie. No, so I'm going to go with an. I'm going to go with an eight. So what's funny is I, uh, you know, we don't pre-think these fog meters. Uh, and speak for when <laughs> when it came to it, I said like, you know, what what do I want this to be, and what do I think feels appropriate? And eight was the number I landed on as well for fear measurement specifically. Is just I feel like it's um, it is the kind of scary that is accessible it is violent it is more violent than some of the earlier entries the rob zombie versions notwithstanding um but uh but it but is is like the right kind of scary that it is fun and it also uh gives you the the chills and the jumps yeah. and, and everything like that so so yeah so eight for me as well and on the on the god meter it's tough because i i kind of my affection for it 
risks me being too unobjective to assessing like how much theme is there. But I really do think there's some very interesting things in the character dynamics, in the relationships, in the way they have honed in and substantiated Laurie's character further on. So uh, I'm going to give it an eight for that as well. Hmm. Hmm. Hey. Um. Yeah. I think I will. I will give it a seven because I do think it is thoughtful. It is conscientious. I appreciate its, and and I'm using this phrase. It's kind of feminist energy. Yeah. Uh, I like that it clearly within the text of the film is about generational healing of trauma. Um, I don't know that it knows a ton how to leap that into a real nine or 10 level, but understood. I think the pieces are there. I think they're well established and defined and don't get overplayed. Uh, Yeah. So a seven. Okay. Uh, That means I'm going to be really, really technical, but we round up. Uh, it's a 7.75, but that means we give Halloween an 8 out of 10 on the fog meter, which is a pretty substantive uh, rating for a film like this. Uh, the, gosh, t- gosh, 11th, gosh, 11th, 12th, 13th, God, I don't even know. It's 11th, I think, in the in the overall franchise world. But at this point, it's just the second. It's just the second. Just You can throw all those others out. Um, but, uh, you know, shocking, no one. Do you recommend Halloween? Unequivocally. <laughs> I, I love it. might queue up a scene or two before I go to bed tonight. <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. <laughs> I um yeah, I love it. I love it. I I I I recommend it. It is my second favorite Halloween installment. I have seen the film now since uh, I saw it in the theater. Saw it when it was released. Watched it this most recent Halloween, just me and my wife queuing it up again, and watched it for the pod again. So I've seen it four times in its completion and watched scenes from it here and there multiple times beyond that. Uh, it's it's incredibly accessible. I love it tremendously and cannot recommend it highly enough. I think it's fantastic. I think it is uh, it is it is great to just you know. I think it's great to queue up, even if you're not that familiar with the franchise, because it's uh, it's it's just fun. It's a really good scary film, and even if you haven't seen the first one, though the first one kind of enhances everything that you're seeing. I think it would be accessible even to anybody. They do a good job of setting the stage of it, regardless. So, high high recommendation, and that puts 2018 edition of 2020 2020. Really? In we got the books. two episodes left in the year. Just two more. Just two more. I can't believe we're here. So we next, worked hard. We went. We worked hard to make this calendar fit. You did. It's true. No, and I it's just true. Said, Does it fit? And you're like, mm, yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so next week again, this is the same thing that happened with Alien Covenant, though it's not a big sequel. Um, next week we're going to be going to 2019, and obviously we, you know, we've covered quite a bit of 2019 already. Um, but. Uh, Is there that was, obvious? I don't know. None I of us are looking at the list. You know the true. list. I know the list. I have the power. Um, but uh, but we are going to a film that I don't know when or if we would have covered it otherwise, which is one of the fun things, most fun things about this series and the listener-influenced content. Um, so directed by Alexandra Aja, uh, who we almost covered on the show with uh, with 
halt tension, but we are going to the 2019 film, not Creep, but Crawl. So oh, it all is, right. Okay, yes, cool. It is yeah. Crawl, the uh, hurricane allig- alligator extra- alligator. What? <laughs> <laughs> hurricane alligator oh we're gonna go down to the hurricane alligator movie Hur- with, hurricane uh, alligator alexandria so, and uh, so, you know it's yep, a movie so, about some gators so yes so we are going to uh to crawl uh next week and you have a very have very to, limited before you can walk it's true it's true uh definitely before you run um you have a very limited window of time before you uh we close the voting for 2020 so if you want to influence what makes the top 10, please go to the website, fearofgodpodcast.com, vote on your favorite horror films of 2020. And uh, as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Nathan, thank Amen. you so much thank you, for chatting with me about Halloween. I love it. I feel it. like this Halloween film is like the summation of my fear of God experience and my relationship to you, my experience of this film. It's just like, it's wonderful. Hits those notes. I'm that delightful. So I'm, that I'm grateful. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we, well, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next week. Thank you very much. See you guys. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest news and episodes or for merchandise and to contact us directly. You can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God, on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork, to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music, and to Tyler Smith at morethanonelesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.